Today's Word Balloon is brought to you by Comics Experience, the world's most respected online comic book university, now publishing through SourcePoint Press. If you're an aspiring comics creator, Comics Experience offers a full slate of courses as well as a 24-7 online creators workshop to help you hone your skills, network, and collaborate with other tested creators. And ultimately, they offer a path to publication with a reputable publisher. Their instructors and staff are working professionals in their field and trained instructors. Critiques and reviews are by peers and professionals alike. Their alumni have worked for all major publishers, and their name graces the fronts of books routinely solicited by the Big Two and the front of previews publishers. Comics Experience was founded by Andy Schmidt, former Marvel and IDW editor and author of the upcoming book, The Comics Experience Guide to Writing Comics specifically to help those trying to break into the industry. You can learn more about Comics Experience programs, including the publishing program, at comicsexperience.com. Don't forget to sign up for their newsletter when you stop by the website, and you can follow Comics Experience on Twitter at Comic Experience. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Jesse Blaze Snyder back on Word Balloon. You know, Jesse, the son of Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, a great musician in his own right, a great comic book writer in his own right. Jesse's done some wonderful things with Toy Story and The Muppets, but he's shown his serious dark side, too, doing uh, evil Ernie comic books for Dynamite, DC stories like Batman and Dead Romeo. We talk about all those projects, and especially a very uh, behind-the-scenes look at uh, Jesse's Muppets story. Today, we're mainly here to talk about Jesse's uh, new project, King of Kings, which combines his love of music and comics, a very funny reality show-based uh, challenge of uh, the 16 top religions uh, dogging for the uh, number one slot. Crazy idea. He's got his dad involved with it as well. Uh, this is for the graphic novel, and uh, he gives you all the details in terms of where you can even uh, check out samples of it. He has an Indiegogo project going on for the book, and uh, we're happy to help him support it. So Jesse Blaze Snyder, for the hour, on Word Balloon. Today, it's brought to you, of course, by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, Lee, for your wonderful support. I appreciate it through Patreon. Subscriptions are not necessary, but if you want to help the cause here at Word Balloon, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon, or click on the Patreon ad on the front page of wordballoon.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There's some uh, great Jesse Blaze Snyder product at InStock Trades, like Dead Romeo. We talk about this wonderful DC uh, pot project. I thought it was a Vertigo project, because it certainly felt like one. Jonathan Romero was the lead singer of the band The Dead Romeos before Mysterious Circumstances send him straight back to hell. Now he's back on Earth, and he has a choice. Kill his true love and earn his release from eternal damnation, or protect her and burn for eternity. Six-issue miniseries, Ryan, Genge- uh, Ryan Benjamin, uh, the artist on that series, 42% off. It's just $11.59. Other deals going on at in-stock trades. You can get the Legionnaires uh, trade paperback. This is book two. Does this go back to the 90s? This is uh, Tom McCraw and Lee Motor. Uh, this collects Legion of Superheroes 69 through 73. The annual number six, Legionnaires 25 through 30. Their second annual, and a story from Showcase 95, number six. How about that, man? Uh, 50% off. It's $17.49. You know, I always look at the stuff that I'm interested in. Uh, Legion Son of X, Volume 4, for We Are Many. Uh, This is Cy Spurrier's excellent work. And uh, this collects uh, X-Men Legacy, 19 through 24. 
pretty interesting story. It's uh, 42% off, $9.27. How about Redneck, Trade Paperback Volume 2, Eyes Upon You. Donnie Cates, a great image series going on right now. 42% off, $9.85. All waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Tons more sales going on. We will talk about them on the next break. But great books at great prices, InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let's uh, start our conversation with Jesse Blaze Snyder. It's great to have him back. He's got a lot on his mind, uh, among uh, things uh, like his new Indiegogo uh, crowdfunding campaign for King of Kings. Let's talk to Jesse now on Word Balloon. Happy to welcome back Jesse Blaze Snyder to Word Balloon. It's been a while, and he's got a great new project that he's here to talk about. Jess, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much for having me, John. Great to hear your voice. Great to hang out with you, as always. For first-timers uh, who haven't maybe heard uh, previous interviews that we've done with Jesse over the years, um, he has uh, his uh, feet uh, planted firmly in the worlds of music and comics and uh, strong representation in both um, great work for Vertigo, great work for Boom, um, you know, uh, doing great Muppet uh, comic books among uh some of your amazing stuff, and really running the gamut to hardcore vertigo horror adventure, and uh, and also lighthearted uh, all ages stuff for Boom, among well, others. So that Dead Romeo book that I did for DC actually came out through the mainstream DC line. Oh, it was so weird. It was such a strange, strange book. They it, they did it at the time. I <laughs> they I just was like the at the right place at the right time, and they were like, what was it? The um, the Twilight books were really big at that moment. And somebody, you know, in the high up office went, bright idea. Hey, we should do a vampire romance. And um, and then they were like, who should we get to do it? And I was just kind of like – I just done an inventory – a Batman inventory story that was freaking amazing and got drawn. It was an April Fool's Day special. I figured this is foolproof. They'll totally release it. And then they did the whole new 52 thing and it was just like impossible. Um, and then uh, by the time like, you know, that was done, pretty much all the editorial over there was out. That, that sure. it, the book. So I was like, damn it. But um, Dead Romeo, like they told me to do a DC Universe book and I, um, I wrote one and I wrote a really good one that would matter to the DC Universe. And then like last minute, they made me cut out every tie to the DC Universe even though it was still set in the DC universe. So it's a weird one. It seemed like a Vertigo book or anything anything but, but it was supposed to be a DC universe book. Okay. It's a weird one. Who drew the uh, yeah. Batman inventory story? Oh, I don't even remember. He was one of the New 52 artists who I remember hating his art on the, not New 52. What was the follow-up to the 52 series? Oh, the status quo post-52. After uh, 50, there was like well, another 52. Series that was well, so that was after Final Crisis because Final Crisis is when Darkseid kills Batman. Yeah, one of them was good, and then the next one was not so good. And all the artists that they had for it uh, weren't weren't great. And when I heard who it was, I was like, Ugh. and then when I saw the book, I went, oh man, somebody told this guy he was drawing a Batman book. It looked like Brian Boland had drawn it. Oh, that's great. It's, <laughs> it was like one of the most beautiful comics that I'd ever had rendered from one of my scripts. It was a really great script. And um, I literally had it in my portfolio for a while, like just the pages until my fire. And I, I lost all my stuff um, just to show people because I was like, I wrote Batman and Joker and it was awesome. And the Muppets, <laughs> man. I mean, uh, you know, Boom, I think, handled the Henson license really well. 
and uh, got, you got you had a great opportunity to write some fun Muppet uh, stories. I, I almost got in on the TV show, but um, but it didn't happen. I really want to the I really ABC help. one, the last the last TV show. Yeah, I, I like I, fi- I I like spent five years trying to get in with Bill Beretta. I finally got uh, to sit with him, and um, and this was largely because when the other Muppet people uh, who were close to the Muppets heard me speak, they were like, "You need to talk to Bill," you know, because like you got you have the right idea. Cool. And um, I finally, like five years of pursuing, I talked to Bill, and he was kind of getting ready to, uh, you know, try to get me on the writing staff. But uh, basically, the the head writer, you know, wanted to bring in his own people. And then I tried to get in there um, after the fact, but uh, one day, one day, I, I hear over you, man. It well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in you know moving forward what what they're going to do with the Muppets and things because I, I just can I tell you the problem with the Muppets, sure. like like. Like I've been mean, I've been wanting to make this into like a stupid like YouTube video or a meme. All right, the Muppets are us at our absolute worst, persevering in the face of the old people who don't get it. The simplest metaphor is the frog running the variety show. If a human being shows up and a frog shows up, you hire the human being. You don't hire the frog. He's a frog <laughs> running a variety show. Then you've got Fozzie, who's a Oh, I'm sorry. I don't, somehow my uh, my phone is hooked up to my computer. No problem. Anyway, then you get Fozzie, who's a comedian. Uh, you know, but once again, he's a bear. Shouldn't be a comedian, but he's not a good comedian. He's an awful comedian. He's not funny. And the old guys in the balcony don't get him. And Gonzo, you know, his his act is so out there. He's destroying the theater, and he's you know injuring himself and po- bringing possible harm to others. Piggy is not glamorous. Piggy is rude and she doesn't deserve success and she she isn't very good at what she does. She's not a good singer. She's not a good dancer. You know, Sam Eagle can't make anything respectable. The band can't finish a song. Muppet <laughs> Lamb can't successfully complete a, a experiment. A experiment. It's every single thing of the Muppets is they are us at our worst. And that is when they work, sure. when they make us feel better about who we are and they make us feel like we can do it. If Fozzie Bear could keep getting up on that stage and being an asshole, you know, we could get up on stage and we could be better than Fozzie because Fozzie totally sucks. You know, that's Fozzie's thing though. You know, and they, their big failure with the Muppets has been making them famous. And uh, the bigger problem uh, is, is particular Piggy. Piggy has been rewarded for two decades of terrible behavior. She is like every other terrible person who's been rewarded for terrible behavior. It's terrible to see. You're like, oh, God, this lady has her own talk show. This lady is a big success, is famous. They need to struggle. When they struggle, they are the Muppets. Yeah. Oh, you Muppets. You know, that is what that is that is when they are like the safety blanket that we all need. Sure. The adult safety blanket. And that's why that show I believe didn't succeed. And I, I really hope to one day uh, inject back that struggle into the show. They can progress and they can change, but they have to maintain the struggle because right. they really aren't very good at what they're doing. That's so great. they have to learn a lot of things before they get success. <laughs> no, that's great. That's yeah, and you're right. And they really, if you examine their best movies, they are the underdogs. They are the everymen and women and animals. Yeah. Uh, and, and no, that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. I I liked uh, the ABC show. I thought it was interesting and. 
it was that classic, you know, if this thing were on basic cable or even on uh, premium cable or certainly streaming, it would have found its footing. And also, and I mean, I'm I, and, uh, in a way, I'm kind of glad you weren't involved from a writing standpoint because it sounded like they were going through writers a lot because the network wasn't happy with what they were getting. And there was a lot of tweaking and I believe show running changes in the season and a half that it existed. Uh, even if it made it to a second season, I can't even remember it right now, but... I appreciated the experiment. I, you know, I know Ron Richards from my fanboy was the same way, where it was like, yeah, this is this is different, but it's interesting. And I agree with you; uh, they are better when they are common people rather than uh, celebrities. Well, so many of the things that they, everything that they did that was interesting in the show could have been done in this, you know, in the same context, right. just with them struggling. Right. You know, if Piggy had a PBS access show and they kept going to sure. meetings trying to get, you know, that is compelling that's the muppets and you know them working in the upper echelons of shit it's just kind of it, it really t- it really takes takes out the homegrown nature and the you know well those the institution i think those commercials they were doing uh where ralph and one of the rats were going through the drive-in and i think it was a car commercial for like acura or whatever car com- whatever car company it was and it was like it was it was just this mundane thing of yeah all right how you doing you know, and just trying, you know, can I get a large shake, please? And that's, that's my fa- my favorite shit. I mean, they're so you know the the pup the Muppets started out as advertising, yes, you know, and absolutely, very effectively all over um, the, all over YouTube. You can find early Muppet nineteen late nineteen fifties, early nineteen sixties uh, black and white they're commercials. They're all great. They did a DVD of like a collection of of some. That had some of the commercials, uh, like a, like a maybe a little, or maybe I saw it online. But yeah, they're all awesome too. They're yeah. you know just great pantomime, kind of like you know timeless comedy stuff. But I mean that's how Henson built you know built up to the Muppets. So I mean they yeah. still really do great as um, you know as great showpieces when they're true to themselves. You know the the characters. It's funny. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen yes. over there. I mean, a lot of people with a lot of different ideas, you know, in the Muppets house, um, as well as Disney has their own ideas about it. Well, that's I'm what gl- I, I assumed that was going to be the top of your list of, you know, what's wrong with the Muppets? And I was expecting, because it is, it's almost competing against the traditional Disney brand. On the one end, it's great that they bought the company, but I also think it's like just a little too easy for the conglomerate to just put them on the shelf and not you know give what? them the full attention that they would if they were their own entity. Now, that's someone that, from the outside's pro- point of view. I have to share this because enough time has passed now. Because, I mean, because the Muppet Snow White job was the worst job that I, I ever had. Huh. Uh, it was so heartbreaking to me. Um, I, I want to put my original scripts online so that people can see them because they were – I was really proud of them. And, um, and what ended up happening with that script – broke my heart um and i'll say that like you know i'm doing my own my own thing and i've been doing my own thing for a little while you know we just had the project at image the music comic book thing uh, which got a lot of acclaim uh black, black light, light district absolutely and uh and now we're doing mythic legions you know so i stepped away from like the mainstream comics but i did some work at marvel i did some work at dc and then i moved over to boom to do the license stuff and each project had its own set of problems every single one of them you know like the Batman one shot never came out. Dead Romeo, they, I, they maybe changed it last minute, and I kind of accidentally kind of gutted it a little bit, uh, you know, story wise, 
you know, unintentionally just not being able to see the forest for the trees when you like have to edit things. And, you know, they changed my title on uh, my Hulk thing. And, you know, it came out in a weird volume that suggested it was like an action packed story and it was like a character piece. And, you know, every single thing that I did had a little little bit of problems and Toy Story had a lot of problems as well. But uh, Muppets took the cake. And literally I was so excited to be writing the Muppets. That's why I went to Boom in the first place. That's how I got the Toy Story gig. I wanted to write the Muppets. They said, I need Toy Story and I pitched a Toy Story thing because I'm a big toy guy sure. and um, and I uh, turned it around really quick and Aaron was like, I love this and they basically, they literally replaced, they had already solicited somebody else and they replaced me on the book which was pretty cool yeah. as the monthly writer for Toy Story. So I did that one for like, you know, six to eight months or whatever and they were finally like okay you can do a Muppets fairy tales and I was like yes so I did Muppets Snow White and I based it on a, a classic uh, Muppets um, fairy tale video uh, Muppet, tale, uh, Muppet fairy tale theater I think okay. uh, which uh, had uh, Rizzo and Gonzo as the narrators uh, it was really the basis for Rizzo and Gonzo as the narrators in Muppet Christmas Carol and uh, they were so great as uh, you know just a pair uh, back and forth this their perspectives were so different and um, I was like, okay, great. They're the Grimm brothers, and we're going to go back and forth telling the original tale of you know cool. Snow, Snow White, and we're going to tell uh, you know the Disney version because Rizzo's going to be like, this sucks. This the kids are going to hate this. You know, no, 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 no. You know, they're going to be editing it as they go. You know, did anybody read this before we started? Um, and uh, so it was like very inside and like constantly breaking the fourth wall. And it wasn't long enough. There were all these things. By the end of it, it was like super inside for Muppet fans. We just blew everything up, ate everybody, and threw penguins in the air. And um, it was it was a pretty insane, um, insane uh, you know salvo. And the whole thing was just on point. And more than that. It was very elegant and graceful. A comedy in comics is is, is very difficult yeah. um, because it, it's so easy to bog down your reader, and it's, it's you got to keep it light so that they can like bounce you know from page to page. Sure. Especially if there's a good chance that children are going to be reading your book, which I knew children were going to be reading the book, and, and kids and their parents and stuff. So I tried to you know kind of pick my spaces, you know where I said something, and then like you know pick my battle with the jokes, let the jokes like land and move on and i wrote the first script i was so proud of it i like i knew this was like the greatest muppets thing that had you know it was just me doing an impression of the greatness that i have seen done and i did a great freaking impression and i knew it and i as a fan i was like this is it and i jumped into the second and third issue i literally wrote them in four days i finished the third issue and on day five like friday i was about to start issue four because i was just so damn excited it would come out so good and i got my notes on issue one and i'll say that it took me six months before i wrote the final issue so long that i forgot a character and um, I, I got saved because one of the things that happened was they basically they the main note was they wanted a joke in every panel. Oh my god! Which I thought was the worst idea ever. Yeah, there's no and, setup. There's no time for a setup. And that largely any good joke that was there I'd already taken, so we were just going to be making you know bad jokes on top of things. Right. And they liked the. You know, slightly more meta. Uh, 
childish humor from the previous uh, volume of the fairy tales thing that they did with uh, with a really great writer uh, named Patrick Stork, uh, but his style was just a little bit you know goofier. Uh, that, that my, 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 I was just really trying to walk a line uh, of the greatness that I know the Muppets to be, where they can be heartfelt as well as be genuinely funny. Yeah, and like. And not, you know, cheap shots are like really cheap shots, you know, but like I, I tried to really do a book that generally wasn't doing the cheap shot thing was doing the Muppets at their best. You know, just really great parody, really great fourth wall breaking, uh, you know, and a great inability to get it quite done the way that it's supposed to be done. And, um, you know, when I got these notes that, that they were going to bring in another writer to add jokes and then, um, somewhere along the way, I got a copy of a script that had six different layers of notations on it. It was me followed by my editor, which was pretty sparse. Um, uh, he really liked my, my, my initial scripts, um, followed by the, the Disney editor who didn't seem to understand a lot of what, what I was doing or what the Muppets were. And followed by the Muppets editor who, would literally rewrite jokes so that the punchline didn't make sense. Didn't like whatever we did anything that wasn't particularly like nice to anybody. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, I, I need conflict. Like, <laughs> and, and, and then like, and I forget what like the other layer. Oh, and then like the layer of changes from the writer and, and the writer sweetly said to me later, Hey Jesse, I'm really sorry, man. You know, they brought me in to do this. You know, I, I thought it was really good, you know, and there really wasn't much to do. But, you know, the job was the job. Right. I'd like add jokes. And unfortunately, like I said, you know, most of the jokes were there. I mean, you know, he probably got like a good handful that were pretty good, you know, but largely it was already there. It was like, you know, it's like, like you're coming in after the fact, trying to back clean up, trying to add some jokes to the proceedings. And it, it's just like, and largely it just weighed the whole thing down. And uh, I, it killed me, killed me. I like, I, I went from like knowing that I had a book that any Muppet fan would love to knowing that I had a book that was going to be a little hard to get through because it just well, that's- it had a lot of, slow jokes and like you know mm, and impossible to get through with your kid i want to just like buy every copy and edit like all the additional <laughs> they made me add in <laughs> i understand that. no and that's you know kind of a common tale with a lot of licensed books where there just are too many heavy hands editorially and too many too many cooks in the, in the kitchen uh screwing oh, yeah. things up no and i uh, believe me a lot of our mutual friends have suffered similar notes and, uh, you know, well, like you said, that's why you're doing your own thing. Yeah. Did Jill Thompson tell you her? No, get closer to the mic, one. Jess. You're off mic. Oh, sorry. I said, did Jill Thompson tell you her note from the X-Files book, which I, which I just always thought was hysterical no, and really remember. a great example of licensed books. It was, can you make them look a little more like Mulder and a little less like David Duchovny? That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was. That was pretty hysterical. That made me feel better about all my stupid notes. But yeah, I tell you what, that one broke my heart more than like anyone because like that was just a dream come true to be able to write them. And I I wanted to do them just so badly and I really knew that I had. And then to see it like get bogged down by just like 
really silly notes. Like I just was like, I wish I wish I could sit with you guys for a second and just explain to you why I wrote it the way I wrote it and why it's a little sparse and why this is better than what you're suggesting. Um, <laughs> and let's look at some other books that are written a little bit more lightly the way I wrote this book, <laughs> like let's say Bone or something like that. And let's see that. Oh, look at how that works. Look, there's art. You can see the art and it breathes and a child could maybe enjoy this. <laughs> no, I know, man. And by the way, folks, if you hear uh, the sounds of a vibrating baby, that's uh, Jesse's uh, youngest daughter, Parker, in the back. Yes, my 405 baby, Parker, Parker Pride. She's super viral online. I don't know if you've seen, John. I have not seen. I had no idea. I remember I remember when you wrote the uh, song for your uh, third child. I wrote a song for Parker. It goes, this here is a song about Parker. Pride of the 405 came in the world doing 65, screaming I'm alive. <laughs> I forgot. That's right. You, your your wife gave uh, birth in the in the car. I remember you telling me that. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Everybody told me I had to write a song. I was like, yeah, too much pressure, too much pressure. Give me a second. But a couple months went by and that came to me and I like that. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm glad you mentioned Black Light District, your last big image project. I uh, I loved it. Uh, there are wonderful videos of the uh, comic short stories that you did. You set them to music. Uh, they work both as uh, straight-up comics, if you only read the comics, but I thought it was great, uh, the addition of, of the music uh, to the art. And uh, they they became kind of these lyric little uh, vignettes. Yeah, you know, I tell you what, it, that, that was such an interesting project. You know, I just said, like, you know... I, when I wrote the music, I was inspired by comics. I just, you know, for me, comics are the greatest art form. You know, part of it is the, the there's no budget. So you can do whatever you want. Right. You know, they finally captured it a little bit in, um, in Avengers Infinity War, you know, sort of the scope of, um, of what comics have to offer. And really, it's the ability to go anywhere you want. In a film, they go, we're going to London. It's like, oh, well, this cost them some money. They had to go to London and shoot in London, or at least fake like they were in London. Right. You know, every single time they visit somewhere in a film, you know, that's money. Um, in a comic book, you can go anywhere you want to. And in Avengers Affinity War, you know, you get to see that, you know, as the title card comes up for this new place. Yep. And each place holds special significance and all this stuff, you know, and the scope of that, you know, and especially the scope of the universe ending, the world ending, you know, the, the you know, it's most songwriters write about themselves and their love life and their heartbreak, um, you know, but that's just your self ending. That's kind of small. Um, you know, I wanted to write stuff that was about the world ending, that was about the universe ending, um, you know, that was about a larger scope. And um, and I was just, you know, we, we did it inspired by, you know, my favorite, you know, things, you know, a, what, Frozen is Captain America, you know, it's about you know being frozen in ice, but really it's about not being able to move on with your life, you know, and green is, is really about the Hulk ultimately, but it's a, it's a metaphor for not being able to find inner peace. And, uh, you know, s Symptoms is inspired by a neon Walking Dead poster that was on my wall. Um, you know, a Tony Moore, just the, the head of the main Walking Dead zombie. And, um, you know, and we wrote a song, you know, about the zombie apocalypse. But really, it's about greed and how greed, uh, you know, is spread like a virus through, you know, through our, our government yes. and poisons well and makes it impossible for us to, you know, do 
what we've sent these people there to do, uh, you know, as they get compromised, you know, so it, it's all stuff that really gets to the heart of, um, you know, everything. I mean, when the, in Manhattan, we did as a, a tribute to, um, to Kirby and, um, and Stan, you know, Kirby being, you know, kind of famously not really treated right by Stan and Stan has tried to do right by a lot of people. And I, and I do appreciate Stan and love him and I don't mean to trash him, but at the end of the day, you know, there's uh, the comic book legal defense fund and every other little little thing that are trying to help all these different comic book creators because the industry didn't really do right by them. Absolutely. Uh, and it's uh, it's a truth that, you know, I felt that, you know, the industry didn't really do right by me. Um, and it's not really the industry's fault. This is kind of the way it works. Um, but, you know, I had written it, you know, about the Oppenheimer, you know, being uh, having mixed feelings about his invention, right. the atomic bomb. And I, I realized as I was writing it, I'm like, this is about me having mixed feelings about every comic book that I've ever written that's, you know, not quite come out, you know, the way that I've wanted it to, you know, because of various little reasons and, you know, not being able to control, you know, how these things are framed and wanting to, uh, you know, take it over. So, I mean, it was really crazy, like how cathartic it ended up being, and it, but it was crazy. And then inspired by the music. I said, let's do comics. And I got Jason Pearson and Phil Hester and J.K. Woodward and all these other people. And um, and I just kind of said, listen to the song and like, you know, here's the basic, you know, meaning, whatever, you know, behind it, you know, for us, you know, maybe this is what we were thinking, you know, we'll do, do what you feel. And um, when I finally sat down to read them and listen, and it's a very specific thing, watching the videos on YouTube won't do the trick, uh, and reading the comic by itself or listening to the music itself won't do the trick. You need to either go to the website or buy the comic and sit there and follow along as you listen. It becomes a psychedelic experience, and I didn't know this was going to happen, <laughs> but because your eyes have to follow along with the words that your ears are also following, following along with, your ears and eyes connect. And when your ears and eyes connect, the parts of your brain that are controlling your ears and your eyes, the images begin to come alive because you're hearing something that's constantly moving forward and you're following along at a certain beat. And before you know it, you're going to start going, is the image moving? And it, it's so – creepy and so many of the artists i mean they just did such a great job with like some of the transitions mm -hmm. where as the music turns and you get there it's just like it's just the perfect moment and we did a good job editing everything uh and moving things around so that it would um that they would all flow pretty good so if you get a chance it's free on um on uh, blacklightdistrict.co i couldn't afford the end so blacklightdistrict.co and uh, you can listen there and read at the same time and it is it's really really cool like I said I was blown away it takes like 22 minutes and I sent my wife's whole family in there my whole family in in to listen to do the 22 minutes and I mean all different walks of life and everybody came out just going wow that's really cool yeah what did, you, just, what did your dad think of uh, blacklight we never talked about that Oh, he loved it. You know, he, he you know, but it's funny. My, my, my parents have this like weird, you know, and I mean, it's, it's you know, what one part there are my parents, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, this weird thing where they're just kind of like blown away by the fact that I'm not more successful than like that. I like like they think I should be a lot more successful and they kind of just keep going. Why isn't Jesse more successful? <laughs> well, like, are they saying that in a sense that. They feel you should be doing more or that the market hasn't responded to what you do. 
I think that yeah, I think they just want to see me as a household name and and uh, you know and, well, and sure. people and people having the the full respect of uh, my abilities and yeah, man, you know, hey, you're a, and you're I, a fine songwriter, you're a fine performer, and I'm not saying that in any condescending way. I think your music is incredibly catchy and and hooky in the best possible music ways, and I think you're a I think you're a talented writer, and I think you're a talented comic book writer, so. I am, you know, yeah. I think I think you're you have good strengths, and you know, again, persistence because the wheel will turn. I mean, it's just you know sometimes it's it's finding that right uh, not only audience but also as much as we can generate our own media now, and we're at this really amazing time where you really can make your own thing. Um, I do think to really tip over, unless the you know you got these YouTube idiots that that become famous but people of substance and people uh, whose content of substance i think you do still need uh some form of the traditional platform of you know someone going hey everybody listen to this or watch this or read this and um you know i mean it's people do go viral with the right project but that's kind of a lottery shot and i think more people just you know keep generating content and the right, like I said, the right platform discovers them and says, no, 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 wait a minute. These people are good. And thankfully, there are, are all these uh, new platforms that are gathering people and aggregating creators together to, to you know, present their content. So, yeah, man, I mean, yeah. you know, you got time. It'll come. You know, just, just you know what you're I'm doing. A, a, pl- a, a, a pavement stomper. You know, it's just so funny. Like, as I got towards the end of my rope with, you know, mainstream comics. It's so ridiculous how it was right there for me to have all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, Scott Snyder, who's one of my better friends in comics, uh, you know, was all of a sudden the man at DC right. and was trying to get me in over there. At the time, Mike Martz was still over over there okay. in the Batman office. Yes. And Janelle Asselin. I, I had so many people trying to get me in. I mean, I had a couple projects that almost went. We were going to do... Grayson's Flying Circus. Uh, no, what's oh Haley's Circus starring Dead Man? Oh wow, sure. Uh, and uh, you know, and the, and there was you know a few a few that were 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 being pitched around. I forget what the other what the other one was, but um, but it just like never materialized, and I was just slowly kind of just going like, eh, I think I'm done. And then like everybody who I was kind of coming up with, all of a sudden was like getting work, and I was like. Yeah, I think this probably could have been me, but I think I I think I'm over it. <laughs> well, I think I'm over just pitching. I just I was just so tired of pitching, and they're just not built to take pitches. And like I wasn't quite you know the right person's drinking buddy at the right time or whatever, and uh, and nothing ever materialized. So it was just kind of like it, it was it was just frustrating for me. It was just a lot of work and and time put in, but you know. It ended up being relatively small spurts of different things, and you know, I did Evil Ernie, which was one of my right, last. Like, you know, yes, yeah, and I mean, I and I, I love doing it. I really love you know Nikki and, uh, and Joe over at uh, at Dynamite, and you know, at the same time though, you know, we a book was put out with the same kind of covers, you know, that they do for everything, and I was really trying to get them to just make it a little bit special, you know, so you know, and lean into the you know what we were trying to do to make it different and new, yes. and just sold the same old chaos comics yeah. and and then the big thing for me was i was i wanted to get brian polito's name on the book and um oh 
my my um, my name is um, I'm, I've I've lost a name. Uh, who's the other creator of Evil Ernie? Oh, I couldn't say. Uh, I, I know Polito was was certainly the co-creator. Um, oh, this is this is so sacrilegious. His name will come to me. Uh, I tried to get their names on the books uh, as creator, and uh, they didn't go for it. So after the first arc, I felt really weird about it. Me and uh, Brian Polito go back a long ways, and he's he, he's a lovely guy. I love I, I love Brian, and. Um, we were at like a con and he was kind of avoiding me and I really, I like, I hated it. And, uh, they asked me to come back and do another arc of evil Ernie, like to keep going. And I like, they even offered me more money. And I, I just, I had to say no. Cause I, I just, I felt really uncomfortable working on the book and I reached out to him at the beginning and he was like, listen, man, I'm sorry. I love you, but I don't want anything to do with it. And I was like, Oh, and then I was already like in the process and felt weird about it to begin with. Sure. And like, I just wanted to like, love it. You know, I just wanted to like treat his creation right, right. and make sure I figured somebody's going to do it. I'm like, you know, might as well be me, you know, cause I'll, cause I'll take care of it and I'll, I'll treat it. Sure. I'll treat it the right way. And, um, and so it really, I, I ended up feeling really shitty about the whole thing. And I just kind of went, ah, I think I'm done. <laughs> and that was my, that was my last mainstream, uh, you know, whatever. And then I just started working on my own stuff. Well, two of our friends, uh, Phil Hester and Jai Nitz had a great conversation years ago. And Phil told me the story about it and they were feeling the same kind of frust- frustration. And Jai told Phil, Hey man, let's stop chasing bad girl. Let's stop chasing those kinds of gigs. Let's just do our own stories. And I know Phil has certainly taken it to heart since, and he's very happy, and he's making his comics his way. And, you know, man, I keep making the music analogy about Word Balloon, where, I'm, you know, people are like, how, how, how's the podcast going? I'm like, the podcast is going great. It grows every year. I keep getting more listeners. I am, pl- I am like a, a good act that plays the best music clubs and can tour around city to city, and I've got people who know who I am and are happy to see me and happy to enjoy my content. Am I selling out the big arenas? Am I, you know, uh, God, I was going to say am I on MTV, but music videos aren't on MTV anymore, of course. Am I on Fuse (laughs) or someplace like that? No, but I am very happy making my content the way I want to, and uh, I've got an audience, a very active audience, that, like I said, keeps growing and appreciates what I do, and I'm cool with that. If this, you know, if this, you know, if I if I should shake off this mortal coil, I'll be very content with what I've done with Word Balloon because I've achieved what I've wanted to in the 13 years I've been doing it. Yeah, I know. I, I'm a proud of you, brother. And uh, I, um, I, I'm really down to do the same. And I mean, that's yeah. always kind of my mo. It, 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 it's it's difficult and it's it's nerve wracking. But as soon as I get my footing. Um, you know, I just hope to be able to just continue to put out great stuff and, you know, people will find it eventually. Today's word balloon is brought to you by comics experience, the world's most respected online comic book university now publishing through source point press. If you're an aspiring comics creator, comics experience offers a full slate of courses as well as a 24 seven online creators workshop to help you hone your skills, network and collaborate with other tested creators. And ultimately they offer a path to publication with a reputable publisher. Their instructors and staff are working professionals in their field and trained instructors. Critiques and reviews are by peers and professionals alike. Their alumni have worked for all major publishers, and their name graces the fronts of books routinely solicited by the Big Two and the front of Previews Publishers. Comics Experience was founded by Andy Schmidt, former Marvel and IDW editor and author of the upcoming book, The Comics Experience Guide to Writing Comics. 
specifically to help those trying to break into the industry. You can learn more about Comics Experience programs, including the publishing program, at comicsexperience.com. Don't forget to sign up for their newsletter when you stop by the website, and you can follow Comics Experience on Twitter at Comic Experience. You know, I really, Blacklight District was my greatest work, and I was really proud of it. It's so perfect. Uh, but I got to say, you know, King of Kings is my new greatest work. Indeed. So, I mean, it's been it's been great, you know, just being able to do stuff myself and do stuff the right way, the way I wanted to do it, the expensive way, the way that the way that makes my friggin' family puts my family at risk. But I, I just got to make my art really good. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the Indiegogo campaign, and you're uh, just underway, um, about fifteen uh, percent of the way there, as far as your goal. And um, no, I, it's a it's a good concept. 100 pages, 160 pages. Excuse me. And uh, give us the elevator pitch for King of Kings. Sixteen religions in a battle of the bands to determine the King of Kings for the next century. <laughs> Jesus is the reigning champion. <laughs> and as many of the Christian readers that I've noticed, I, I thought they were going to be upset, but they've, they've very merrily accepted the fact that, obviously, Jesus is going to have to be whooping some ass. <laughs> to have achieved such a feat. Um, and so Jesus is like our heel. Uh, Scientology are like our our zombie bad guys. And, um, you know, and essentially the book is like revenge on Catholicism for the Northern Crusades, uh, which, is, which is just a metaphor for the various crusades and the various religious wars that have gone on. And, you know, really the whole book is just, I, I've kind of come to feel, and I don't know if this is true, but I think, it is. And I, I hope to ask him one day if I ever meet Quentin Tarantino. But I was watching uh, Hateful Eight, and I, I really loved that one for whatever reason. I thought it was beautiful and so well done. And when it ended, I went, Quentin Tarantino thinks that violence is stupid. And he's trying to show us, movie after movie, he's showing us what happens to violent people. Violent begets violence. Over and over again, you know, the, the heroes die, the villains die. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's not affected by the violence. And, you know, in so many of his films. And, um, you know, that is the point of King of Kings. You know, stop killing each other over your beliefs. This is stupid. We are all talking about the same thing. There are different intellectual ideas about something. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to punch each other in the face before we had a conversation about it? Um, and I really don't think these things have been brought out to the open, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, people like to be like, oh, well, that wasn't me. You know, like, look, the, the Catholicism, you know, so much of why, you know, people have slowly turned away is what has been done in the name of Jesus Christ. Sure. Jesus, Jesus Christ is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. Jesus Christ was not the type of person who would go to you and be like, yo, you must be saved by Christ. Jesus Christ was a a religion breaker. You know, right. he was trying to break down the religious doctrine of the day and go, you know, this isn't true. He was somebody who studied abroad. He studied with Eastern, you know, teachers. Uh, you know, this is a worldly person, you know, who came to enlighten people and bring them other ideas about how to be, not to go, there's only one idea and this is it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that alone, you know, that's sort of like you must be saved alone really needs needs addressing um you know but worse than that is what happened in the crusades you know uh, up north 
they they tortured and killed, you know, Rod the Strong because he would not convert to being a Jesus and the Apostles fan, you know, uh, and they did that to many other different people who were hurt and harmed, whatever else, and they forced a whole nation of people to be- Jesus never would have been like go forth and force people to think the way I think. You know, this is this is not the messages of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's funny, the great metaphor that we have here, Mark Poulton is my co-writer, uh, you know, the Savage Hawkman and uh, Evangeline. I love Mark. He's so sweet. Cool. He's very funny. And uh, we, we've been working on this a long time. And, um, you know, when he brought it to me, the rude idea was that he wanted to do Odin, the gods of rock, you know, uh, as like a behind the music. Uh, and I was just like, huh, you know, like religious figures, you know, and a, a religious figures as a band. I'm like, that's really cool. I was like, could Jesus be the bad guy? You know, because I thought like, you know, to the Norse religion, that's the bad guy, <laughs> <laughs> the ones who wipe them out. Um, and, uh, and he was like, yeah. So I was like, OK. And the musical thing, you know, really has played such a great um, metaphor because it applies in so many different ways. You know, I used to hate Radiohead. And uh, one day I was reading a article uh, and it was the lead singer of Radiohead. And I figured like somebody had sent it to me and said, oh, you got to read this. And I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's so on the money. I love everything he's saying. Why did I hate this guy? And then I thought back on it and I remembered like three people who were big Radiohead fans and they were assholes. They shit talked every freaking you know other band you know like radiohead was the marquee and then like everything else was shitty because of xyz you know and i always hated the people who would like shit talk twisted sister because they were an easy band to like crap on if you wanted to because they dressed up in makeup so you just oh those those gay guys or whatever you know they're just easy to like throw dirt at them performing with them. So I was, I was always very, very much in defense of like people like that. And and the Radiohead fans really rubbed me the wrong way because they would just look like everything sucks but this. And it's just so funny how your fans come to represent you. And the Jesus fans are ultimately who Jesus is in this book. The the worst of the Jesus fans are you know what you're getting, and everybody's just you know sort of a boiled down stereotype. It's funny. My first really like angry reaction came from an Odinist who was mad that I was making Odin violent, and I was like, "Oh man, wait do you see what I did to Jesus?" Um, <laughs> and and I'm like, you know, because you know Odin's a Viking, whatever. But 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 truly, the the reality of the Norse religion and all these things, you know, Odin was a very wise guy, you know, who preached, um, you know tolerance and compassion you know all of these really i've spent seven years researching these religions and i started out as an atheist which is really funny so my my perspective on it was very uh detached and then i became spiritual and then somewhere along the way i kind of went huh should i reevaluate any of my perspective on any of this shit now that i've like <laughs> now that i've opened my mind to the possibility of a couple things <laughs> and, and then that was an interesting experience you know kind of just looking at it again of like you know things that uh, i had just considered silly myth or whatever and then kind of going huh possible <laughs> oh there you go that's cool well no it's a yeah. fun fun action comedy uh, i would say you know obviously uh, the the art leans into that uh, Gonzo lowbrow uh, presentation that people might appreciate on uh, on Vans <laughs> and uh, and Frazetta posters and you know the the Molly Hatchet era of uh, Frazetta uh, art and things like that. No, you nailed it. David Witt is like a he's a tr- he's like he's a trained concert poster uh, artist, and he's been doing like 
like local concert posters and shit like since he was a teenager and uh he you know he brought a real great rock and roll sensibility yeah. to everything and uh, that great you know kind of crumb you know vibe except his stuff is like way more charming and he really allows us to get away with some of the more blasphemous things in the book. I mean, it's so funny. You know, we're doing so many like, you know, Muhammad's in there, but he's never shown. I you know, expect I'm sure, it as much. Uh, go on. Yeah, I'm sure my, I'm sure my Muslim uh, people, are, my, my really devout Muslim people are still not going to be particularly happy that he's included. But he must be included. He's one of, <laughs> it's, it's one of the major religions. Certainly. But we do. We do make it a going joke of keeping him fucking invisible. So listen, we're playing with the system. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, we've got the Sikhs and uh, the Rastafarians and um, the Taoists and, you know, every major religion on the planet, you know, rep by some cool band. The Bar Mitzvah Boys are one of my favorites. The Jews, you know, they, they do a couple songs in the book. They do uh, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Oive. Uh, and uh, no sleep till Jerusalem. Is it funny? As soon as I wrote that, you got to fight for your oive. I realized that "Fight for Your Right to Party" is an oive song. But every verse is like, "Hey, mom, oive, <laughs> my magazines." <laughs> like it was really funny. I was like, "This is so funny." At its heart, you know, because they're a bunch of Jewish boys. I'm a quarter Jewish, so I have a lot of family, you know. Sure. It, and it and it totally has that root. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, of uh, charm of some of that, you know, that, uh, you know, that conversation, that old world conversation in Fight Fury to Party. And I didn't even realize it until I changed the title. That's funny. <laughs> no, man, that's the thing. This is, uh, I'm, I am all for poking fun at uh, organized religion. And I think uh, the stage is set for what will the 21st century dominant religion be? And why not have a satirical take on that? and put it in this kind of reality battle of the bands kind of term tournament. I just hope, you know, I saw a picture, uh, somebody posted it. It was great. Uh, it was a picture of like Buddha on the drums, uh, Christ on a lead guitar. And I forget who was on bass, but it was like, they would have made fabulous music together. And that's really what I've learned of more than anything from the, uh, the, the, the whole thing of researching all this thing, you know, largely, all these people would have made fabulous music together. You know, even the ones who were misguided and thought there were infidels or whatever other nonsense that, you know, there might be, you know, at the heart of it all, there's just a lot of, um, uh, loving cultures, uh, who sometimes have some aspects of them that are based in fear uh, of, of other cultures that might harm them or change them or whatever else. And, you know, I mean, the more we are like de demonizing, all these, uh, you know, any, any of this stuff, you know, cause every, the Bible has plenty of different things that we could focus on if we wanted to and be like, Hey, this is messed up. You believe this, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, if we focus on just the worst of it, uh, we're not going to make any progress. You know, we, we really need to focus on that larger whole, you know, when we're dealing with each other as human beings, you know, we realize that like, we're, we're mostly the same, you know, we have a head, we have hands, we have eyes, we have a heart, you know, if you prick us, we bleed, you know, all these things, you know, they, they keep mounting, they're very important, they're the things that make us the same. And, uh, you know, and, and we need to come at everything from the point of sameness, you know, because it's, it, it, we're so largely the same. <laughs> and when we come at it from that point, you know, you can work, you can work anything out. I hear you, man. I'm looking at uh, your uh, Indiegogo uh, page right now, 
And uh, am I right? Isn't it? Yeah, it is Indiegogo, correct? Yes, yeah. it is Indiegogo. So many crowdfunding platforms. Um, no, there's so uh, there's an introductory uh, thirty page digital comic that uh, you know first thirty for the first thirty pages of the story that you can get for ten dollars. If you want the full package of the graphic novel for forty dollars, you get the physical book, you get the uh, dis- uh, digital version of the book as well. Plus, uh, and I'm glad to see that you're doing this because again, I think you tapped into something with Black Light District, and certainly the backdrop of this uh, should suggest that you'd want to do some music for King of Kings. So there's a there's an MP3 for a song "Fight to the Death" as part of the uh, forty dollar package to get everything. Well, we did the well. You get the MP3 uh, if you do. I think I'm just sending it to, to everybody who who donates at the ten dollar one. So the MP3 and the and the little preview go to everybody. And um, and uh, we do um, a uh, a free physical copy of the CD. Oh, I'm seeing that. Yes, uh, with the uh, with the physical book, which I'm really excited about. And actually, like you know, we're built like to like go. So like if we go far, everybody who does the fan pack is going to get like extra stuff. We're doing like this. We have a $90 fan pack that has this amazing signed, oh, quote unquote, signed picture of Odin. I dressed up my dad as Odin and did <laughs> and did wrestling style promo videos. I see the pictures. <laughs> uh, and I dressed up as Jesus. So uh, so basically I wrote like like I I just I studied <laughs> it's it's funny. This was another heartbreaking like comic book story. You know, one of my favorite moments in comics was researching for like a whole day every Don Rickles roast I could for just the right PG, you know, PG lines that, of dialogue that I could take for a Toy Story page where I was going to have Mr. Potato Head tear the Buzz Lightyear variants apart. He was just going to was going to insult him into the ground and i was so proud of this thing when i wrote it it was scathing i couldn't believe that i'd written something that was pg that was so terse but it was like it was all in rickle's performance it was all there and i just pulled it out and i just like i put it together and i was so proud of it and of course disney was like this is way too mean he can't be so mean and they and my editor told me i had to rewrite it i said i'm not rewriting it man you rewrite it i, I can't i can't i don't have the heart to do it <laughs> <laughs> don't know how to do it. So I, I got to do the same thing this time where I just studied the greatest wrestling promos of all time. And I got Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, um, Bret Hart, um, and a few others. And I made my father the greatest uh, wrestling promo of all time, threatening to kick the shit out of Jesus and God. And <laughs> And then and then when I finished, my editor, Aaron, said, man, I wish we had a rebuttal from Jesus. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that would be good. And finally, I decided I, I tried to get my brother to do it, but he was only in town for a little bit. I finally decided I, I would do it. And uh, I, I based mine on CM Punk's most classic um, you, you, uh, box with God um, uh, 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 promo speech, which he did to The Rock, where he said, "Your arms aren't long enough to box with God." At the end, which came to your your arms just aren't long enough to box with my dad. <laughs> uh, so, like, so we just did these perfect wrestling promos. I hope that we get some press for from from some wrestling sites from them because my dad kicked ass. He did such a good job, and uh, I did a pretty good job too. I was hard for me to judge it at the beginning but it's grown on me it's pretty funny and uh and we did little gtv promos at the beginning you know where he says this is odin from the gods of rock and you're watching gtv 
God television. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's and we did a music video for like the first few pages of the book to the song, which our song that we wrote won an award. We won the USA songwriting competition in the comedy humor category. And, um, and we won third prize overall, which had never happened ever in 21 years uh, for a humor song. Cool. Fight to the death won these awards. Yeah, Fight to the Death won the award. So it's an award-winning song, and we're, and we're, we're giving it away you know, as an MP3, like, like you said, for any of the downloads. And, uh, and then if you buy the physical book, you get it for free. Excellent, man. So. And also, uh, it looks like uh, David uh, Witt can uh, potentially draw you into the book uh, for a larger uh, tiered uh, bid. Yeah, we've got some uh, some huge crowd scenes, and we did this last time. And uh, we try to give everybody who's drawn in like you know first crack at the uh, the original page. Um, and uh, we did it. We I, I just did this for Mythic Legions, uh, the uh, action figure Kickstarter. Um, you know, like we didn't run the the Kickstarter. We just like ran the book on the side, which which was harder because our budget was a little small and. Ended up having all sorts of uh, sorts of problems on that, but we got it out, and we were. We were largely proud of the end result. These these Kickstarters are such learning experiences, but it definitely made this one all the more better as we um, as we learned, you know, what what we were going to do and what everything was going to cost. It's just so terrible when you just like run out of money, and at a certain point, you're just kind of like, okay, how do we? What can? How do we? <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, like it's like the budget is pretty much gone. <laughs> So, so it's like, did you make uh, action figures for this? No, no, no. Um, Mythic Legion, you know, they did the action figure line. We just did a comic book for them, and um, you know, and and uh, and we definitely got to a point where, like, you know, some of the things that we really, really wanted to do, we had to, you know, cut back on. So we were, you know, we were like, we were very happy with the end result of the book, but we were like, you know, in an ideal world, we would have been able to put more money into it, um, but we just kind of like, you know, ran out and was it was like, okay, well, this is kind of this is this is where we are at the moment. Um, it sucks. You you know, I, yeah, now I like for the for the Indiegogo. I had to I had to relearn Photoshop, which I used to do in college and high school, and I was out of it for a while. And um, so now I relearned it, and, I, and I'm back. If I had been doing it when we were doing Mythic Legion, I would have like I would have gone in there and done a lot of extra work on the book because <laughs> I would have been able to do it myself. Understood. It's, it's so ter- it's it's so hard when you have to um, you know when everything's just like okay, well if we if we call up so and so, it's just going to be X Y Z. Um, you know, so like, you know, it becomes like, okay, well, what do we have? What can we work with? And then like, you know, and then you got to like make the best of it on some of these things. I mean, with the King of Kings one, you know, we have it set to, we need to make 50,000 and we only have 50 days to do it. So please check out the book and, uh, you know, do it because we, we could have done the thing where like, if you don't make it, you can still do it, but you, you can change what you're basically like what everybody's getting changes. And I didn't think that that was right. I kind of thought like, you know, either we either we can do it as promised, or we can't do it. Uh, it didn't seem right to. Oh, so it's all or nothing. Yeah, it's all or nothing. So it just seemed it seemed wrong to do it that way. Uh, so it's all or nothing, and we really need to like you know push you know pedal to the metal to get it done. But it's a great book. I mean, you know, but I, I I don't mean to spoil the ending. I mean, but by the end of it, you know, we got God coming down from heaven. It's it's some great shit. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's a book that I, I it's so weird because. You know, you ever hear that joke about like God, uh, you know, guy in the flood and, you know, God, he's praying to God. God sends him a boat and he sends him a helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. And, uh, you know, and I, I used to be very much like busy building my, my own bridges and like n- avoiding my own, inadvertently avoiding boats sent my way. And, uh, and this was totally this like wonderful gift that the universe sent me, you know, Mark Poulton brought me the initial idea and then, uh, and also gave me, you know, the freedom in working together to expand it and blow it up, uh, you know, from, you know, behind the music on Odin, the gods of rock, you know, we have King of Kings, you know, a full look at 16 religions, you know, in uh, this century's, you know, battle of the bands, you know, it's really expansive. It's really well researched. There's not a single character in the book that was just like, well, and just draw them with a shirt on, you know, like, I mean, we spent a long time. I mean, you know, Olympus is, you know, loosely based on kiss and, you know, other references, all the Greek gods and, you know, and, you know, Jesus is loosely based on Iggy Pop and Odin's loosely based on Let Me Kill Meister. And, you know, they, everybody has, you know, the perfect reference. You know, one of my favorites is Joe Smith's Cock of Love Bus, you know, uh, which is uh, Brett Michaels. And, uh, you know, we, we did a parody song for him, Talk Polygamy, you know, at the farmhouse behind your old man's carriage in the haystack until you're screaming for marriage. I'll say anything to see your undercarriage. Oh, baby, talk polygamy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just like it's so – it's really done pretty elegantly considering how friggin' dense it is. Um, but I mean, we took note after note and like really spent the time on the script and really spent the time on the design and the color designs Four horsemen studios, who I believe does the greatest color designs there are, um, in, in, in geekdom, they do all the color designs for the action figures for masses of the universe. And, oh man, the colors of those toys blow my mind every time I see them. So I was like, I have, you know, I happen to know them and I was like, yo, can you do the color designs for my characters in my book? I want them to pop off the page. And they were like, okay. So, um, so they designed, char- you know, 60 characters color designed, you know, and these are 60 characters spent time in designing in the first place. You know, we have, a, <laughs> we have the Chinchang clan who like, are just zombies throughout the book, but we really wanted them to be imposing because they're zombies that have been taken over by Scientology. And every time they showed up, we wanted to go, crap, it's the Chinchang clan. And uh, so we really took a long time designing them and they're beautiful looking. Um, and it's so funny because they're like part of the book is relatively small, but I mean like I'm just like an idiot and I could not resist like, no, like I want them to be formidable. So like, let's take the time. And they are formidable. They're badass looking in our book. You know, they're like most racist name, most badass looking characters in the book. Like we, we so do honor to them visually. I hear you, man. No, I think the preview is really good and will give you an idea of what to expect in the graphic novel. It's a good opening act. Um, Another interesting um, premium uh, I see for $920, you and a friend can uh, have uh, dinner with uh, Jesse and Dee Snyder and also go to this incredible concert that's going to be at the Whiskey uh, Saturday, July 21st, which looks like it's uh, supporting uh, the, the comic book, correct? Yeah, yeah, all the money's going to go to the comic book. It's a meet and greet um, uh, plus a dinner, um, and it's going to be intimate. It'll be six people. You know, I've only we only opened it to six people. Um, you know, it'll because three three people can buy it, and each each person will have a friend. This is going to be me and my pops. 
um, you know, before the uh, meet and greet over at uh, the Whiskey A Go Go, which is just down the block. So then we'll take a walk together down the block to the Whiskey, do the meet and greet with you know a dozen or two dozen you know people there, and then um, the show will be starting. We're actually doing a cool Blacklight District video presentation at the beginning before uh, my friends uh, Fall of Silence go on, uh, but like playing the music videos, uh, and my friend's going to make a uh, a video for the final uh, song Bizarro, and uh, and then we're doing like. It's going to be, you know, some, uh, you know, some originals, but uh, a lot of covers and a lot of guests. I've got uh, some of my best friends in the uh, music business, like Ira Black, uh, who was a guitar player for Morbid Angel and used to play with uh, Metal Church and uh, Dokken. He play. Wow. He's he's the man. Uh, and uh, he he's. Um, so he's one of my besties, and he's going to come play, play with us uh, some stuff. And Andre Padre Holmes, who's my songwriting partner, uh, he and I are producing, um, you know, uh, now out in Los Angeles. And we're actually producing um, Rachel Lauren and Cherokee Fortune. So uh, we're having both of them come down, and we're going to try to do one of the songs that we're working on with them, and then uh, a cover song with them. And then we're going to close the night with um, me and my pops doing uh, Fight to the Death for the first time ever. You know, we recorded it, you know, in, in studio separately um and then uh you know but uh, this will be the first time you know playing it live and my buddy uh, freddie who co-wrote it with me um is going to come play it with us and uh yeah it's going to be like just a fun night do a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of covers fun tunes and uh, if you're in los angeles or uh, want to come down there's a whole bunch of uh, cool perks for it and um and yeah and it's all you know I, I was trying to do this whole thing myself uh, you know, I, I we are two thirds of the way done. We, we're finished with the third issue, drawing the third issue. We're completely finished with the first issue. We're done lettering the second issue. You know, I mean, it's mostly done. Um, but I had like two fires in a row uh, in less than two years, yeah, and they really took the wind out of my sails. Um, you know, and at the time, a lot of people were like going, "Oh, I want to sort of go fund me for you," and like all this other stuff. And you know, that was nice, and I, and I appreciated the thought. But I kind of really felt more like, you know, I'd really appreciate it more if people would just support my art. You know, in a couple months when I finally get this, uh, you know, this King of Kings thing going. So, um, you know, if you need a reason to help out, you know, know that we were trying to do it ourselves and just kind of gift it to the world and hope to make our money back. Uh, but um, we just got stopped in our tracks and um we gotta basically we gotta get back on on track before david witt has to move on to other projects and he can't finish the book which would be the biggest bummer ever so uh so we got into full gear to do this uh, indiegogo and um and get it going so we can uh get him back on track working on the final issue and get it finished i mean like i said uh, it's it's the greatest thing i've ever done and it's really um it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. I, it took us so long to like work it. When I go back and I reread, you know, the first issue, second, I forget and I, I laugh. That's good. <laughs> well, I'm confused now. Is uh, because you're referring to them as issues rather than a graphic novel. Will it come out? I mean, I, I understand a lot of times, you know, obviously some of these projects and stuff, both. We're releasing are- it straight as a graphic novel through um, through Indiegogo. So it's 160 pages, which was originally supposed to be like 148 pages, which are with a really, really long pullout. Um, but for the graphic novel, we got to do it just, uh, you know, just as individual pages. Okay. But then uh, our plan is to hopefully re-release it through Image as like many possibly six. like, yeah, as like six issues probably okay. like break it down. So we could just so we can try to help um, you know get some more uh, you know make some more bread for it, but uh, 
hopefully we'll be able to make our goal and then a little bit more and we can just, you know, kind of build from there. But, uh, you know, I'm pounding the pavement to, you know, just get it together. It, it, it is, it is so, it, it's a full-time job. These, uh, the, the, these fundraisers, well, you know, that's you, what I've learned talking to the various creators that, uh, use Kickstarter and GoFundMe and Indiegogo. And, you know, uh, Palmiati is always my classic example of a guy that has got it down to a science where, you know, uh, especially when it's time to uh, do uh, fulfillment of uh, various, you know, premiums and things. And he's, you know, going to the post office three times a week and buying his post office lunch to make sure they don't screw up his packaging and things like that, you know? That reminds me of, uh, I got to, uh, I got to reach out to Jimmy. He's such a sweetheart. I know he'll, he'll share um, King of Kings with his peeps. If there I you ask. go, man. Absolutely. No, man. There's so many wonderful people in comics. I'm looking forward to getting back into into the world. I've had this this plan, and I'm, I'm still kind of formulating it, but um, I hope you'll get involved when the time uh, comes. You know, uh, I have, like, kind of two names that I love for it, which is, you know, Love Your Heroes, and um, and I forget what the other one is right now, but it was, like, slightly Marvel-related. But, um, you know, I want to basically... I see a fountain of goodwill within geekdom. You know, we worship the characters that we worship for a reason, you know, because they're heroes, because they stand for something. And, um, you know, that foundation is, is what you need to change the world. And I would love to see, the energy in in all of fandom be put to use, and I kind of I kind of don't know exactly what to do, but I kind of feel like what I want to do is just like get a little bit of funding to to tour some conventions and just kind of pose the question: What could we do? What should we do? You know, how do we help? You know, how do we be Superman? How do we be Captain America? How do we really change the world? Not in a way like, like let's not get involved in gun control. Let's not get involved in, 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 in controversial things. Where can we apply the most pressure that would do the most good and could actually help the most people? You know, is it humanitarian work? Is it is it feeding people? Is it helping the homeless? I don't know what it is. But you know, I think it's like a discussion that should be had. And I think to a certain degree it'll it'll become who wants to sign up and who wants to join the brigade. But I really want to um, start it, and I've been thinking about it for a little while, and I'm, I'm going to soon enough. Cool. And um, and I hope to uh, you know to just kind of pull people together and like you know do something you know positive. Do some yeah do yeah do something positive. I, I just see so many people who think that doing something positive is like fighting somebody else, and I just want to show people that you can do something positive where you don't have to fight anybody. And like, you know, like th- there's there's ripe fruit that can be picked and it's just there's not a lot of money there. So, you know, there's not a lot of energy there. But all of a sudden, you know, a few hundred thousand geeks put their heart into, you know, the air, <laughs> put their heart into 
the soil, put their heart into our food, put their heart into the water, put their heart into anything that's really important. And I think you'll find there's a lot of support for these things when a proper finger is pointed and it's support on all sides, you know, where you're not having to fight anybody and you're not, there's no argument and your, your aunt and uncle do talk to you and they go, yes, I agree. <laughs> right. No, there's enough common ground out there to kind of focus things and get, get past the culture wars that are, yeah. just, you know, unfortunately have uh, invaded the geek world. And, you know, I mean, you, it's part of the uh, news cycle every day, of, you know, a group of uh, one comic fans not liking another group of comic fans. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 fruitless. man. All my friends in the comics world, like, have always been boys and girls. Yeah. And I've watched uh, a lot of the girls, you know, dealing with this thing and, you know, sort of uh, smoldering sometimes over – over what they're dealing with. And I mean, they are dealing with some freaking, some heavy shit. Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes at a certain point, like it like kind of crosses this line where like, Hey, 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 don't, you know, don't, don't shoot the friendlies. Right. You know, like, you know, like, 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 like don't imagine that the, the crowd against you is bigger than it is. You know, yeah. the, the, it's, you know, just because some asshole said some stupid thing, you know, it doesn't mean that, Oh man, there's thousands of people just like no, right? There's there's a few people like this asshole, and you know, like, and, the, and the rest of the people are reasonable people, you know, and like you know, this is like don't forget, don't forget you know, that, that we're we're okay people, like we all we all love comic books at the end of the day, you know, like I just like that's the thing that always like makes me laugh so hard. I'm like, oh my god, the Superman disciples are freaking fighting with each other, you know, the Squirrel Girls are fighting with each, you know, like these people. These people would be the first people to find common ground, and uh, and I hate to see them bicker over anything. No, I hear you, man. Well, the uh, the comic is King of Kings. Uh, the campaign is underway. It is at Indiegogo and uh, Jesse Blaze and Company uh, coming through with some uh, pretty funny stuff and uh, very funny uh, commentary on organized religion and uh, the dominance uh, for uh, uh, the hearts and minds of the 21st century. Who will win? 16 bands, four rounds. We'll, we'll see who uh, who survives at the end of this thing. But uh, check it out. Go to uh, go to the Indiegogo page. Is there a direct King of Kings page as well? Uh, no, the Indie page is our page. You know, I decked out my YouTube as GTV for the proceedings. And uh, we've got like four cool videos up there, like I said, with uh, my pops. I don't know if we mentioned, but my dad's uh, D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. Oh, yeah. No, that so, came uh, up in the introduction. That, that definitely. Oh, that, didn't that I, got, I got to deck him out in, uh, in Odin gear. My mom is a, is a professional makeup artist, and I couldn't have done it without her. She uh, she did a great job. And then she decked me out as Jesus, made me a crown. And uh, it was great. So, you know, we got to film all these fun videos. And uh, please, yeah, go go check it out. And, uh, and if you like what you see uh, – uh, Please uh, pre-order the book, and uh, and actually, as soon as we get to our fifty or fifty k goal, which is all we need to do the book, we're going to send everybody the next thirty pages of the book. So if you donate anything, you get the first thirty pages, and then as soon as we get to fifty k, you get the next thirty pages for free. So uh, so you'll be able to check it out, you know, before you even um, you know read the whole uh, you know read the whole kit and caboodle. But uh, like I said, you know, we've done the we've done so much of the work. You know, we just really don't want to feel like make people feel like, you know, this is uh, 
this is full charity. It's, it's half charity. You know, we've come so far and we just, you know, kind of just need to get this last leg done. And we tried to do it so big, you know, our last issue, we were doing four God sized issues. So it was a 30 page issue, 30 page issue, 30 page issue, and then 48 pages within, within, uh, an, a, a gate, a really long gatefold. Um, and, um, and, you know, we got to issue 48, you know, right around my fire. And it was just kind of like, uh, we have to take a break. <laughs> wow. No, man, you've been talking so, about this uh, for a while, and I remember your initial conversations with me about it. I'm glad that it's finally happening, and it looks great. It looks fantastic. It's funny. Uh, great art. And, uh, yeah, man, no, I'm really glad. And, again, I'm, I'm glad that you are calling on your strengths in music and storytelling uh, because I do think that's what makes your work distinct, Jess, and, I, and I'm happy to help you promote this stuff and uh, get the word out on some uh, really fun, a, a great take on comics that's coming from uh, left of center in its own unique way. And I and that's, uh, I think, a hallmark of all of your work. Uh, so, uh, no, by all means, let's uh, get behind King of Kings and uh, make this thing come through. Get it to the uh, get it to the end zone. Thanks so much for having me on, uh, John. I really appreciate it. You know, uh, I I know you you know and appreciate you know that I'm uh, you know I'm not a. A satellite visitor to the comics world, you know, I'm a I'm a true blue comics person, oh, yeah. and but also a true blue music music person, and I I really have love being able to kind of tie them together in a, a loving way, and and this has been just like Blacklight District, really really a fun process, you know, to be able to open a comic book with a real song that I wrote. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, no, no. Like I said, I think that's one of your strengths. So uh, glad you're doing it, and uh, I think. Uh, uh, this is only uh, you know mid career in terms of what's to come for uh, Jesse Blaze Snyder. So thanks for joining us today, and uh, happy to help you support this thing. Thank you, John. See you next time. Jesse Blaze Snyder, always happy to have him back. And uh, check out King of Kings and their Indiegogo campaign. Sounds like it's a lot of fun. And I can tell you, I read the first thirty pages. It's a it's a funny book, really good looking book, very very funny. Hope you enjoyed today's word balloon. It was brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Great deals are happening at InStock Trades. You can get things like the Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, Empire, Volume 4. This, uh, man, let's see. Does this go back? This goes back to uh, Dark Horse material. So pretty neat stuff, man. Um, you know, Dark Horse did a great job with the Star Wars franchise. I love what Marvel's doing right now, too. But, uh, you know, Dark Horse served them well for 20 years. 50% off for this collection, $19.99. You can also get things like Superman Rebirth, the hardcover uh, deluxe edition. This is book two. Pete Damasi, Patrick Gleason, uh, an incredible run. I'm very sorry to see it go because I think they were doing great. Very happy that Brian is uh, getting things started and uh, looks like he's off to a great start with Man of Steel. 50% off. For this hardcover, it's $17.49 at InStockTrades.com. There's also the Star Wars Lost Stars graphic novel. That's Claudia Gray, uh, Yusaku Komiyana. Uh, that's a great manga of Star Wars. It's 25% off, $9.75. There's also Superman the Golden Age, Volume 4. This collects Action Comics 41 through 47, Superman 12 through 15, and World's Finest 3 through 5. So, uh, pretty neat. How many pages? Doesn't have a page count, sorry. But it's uh, classic Jerry Siegel and 
Joe Schuster at their best, 42% off, $14.49. Lots of great books at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. Go there yourself. You'll find wonderful books, the things you're looking for, at prices you can't beat. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 more, you'll receive free shipping at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Uh, More great uh, episodes to come. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. I am also dropping today uh, an interview with Michael Kupperman about his incredible graphic novel, All the Answers, uh, all about his father, uh, the radio star of the 1940s and 50s, Joel Kupperman, mathematician whiz at age six, and uh, through his uh, teen years was a huge radio star on a show called the, the, The Quiz Kids. Tens of millions listen to this show. It was very, very popular. It's a lot of fame that the kid didn't want, and it's a really sad story, and it's a story about a father and son trying to connect. It's uh, it's incredible, and I, I love Michael's uh, Tales to Thrizzle comedy, and uh, this uh, very heartfelt graphic novel was another wonderful project, and I'm really excited to talk to Michael about that. So check it out, also on the feed today, Michael Kumperman, All the Answers from Word Balloon. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.